Hello, I'm Elizabeth, an obsessive backyard gardener who might be able to offer you a couple of tips. And I'm Keith, a landscape consultant, and I'm also passionate about gardening. The one thing we both have in common is muddy muddy boots. There's nothing like plucking a piece of ripe, juicy fruit to eat from a tree that is growing in your own garden. Is this something you're already doing, or do you love the idea but haven't yet put it to practice? Well, today Keith and I are going to talk about our favourite fruit trees. In fact, I've decided that I'm going to let Keith do most of the talking because with the 70 or more fruit trees that he currently has in his own back garden... I think we can safely call him the fruit tree aficionado. And with all the information that he's going to want to provide us with, there are definitely, well, there's really definitely no time for me to discuss my top 10 favourites as well. (laughs) So, but before we start on our, or your, I should say, top 10 list, Keith, there are a number of factors to take into account when it comes to choosing a fruit tree. Things like your local climate, the type of soil you have, the amount of available space in the garden, the best time to plant, etc., etc. So can we have a quick chat about those things first? Absolutely, we can. Great. So you, re- you really need to do a little bit of research on what's going to grow in your area. Yes. Um, and, and sometimes um, this can really limit you to what you can actually be putting in, you know, into the ground. So if you're in an area that has, has lots and lots of heavy frosts and so forth, that's going to limit you to um, certain varieties of, of, of fruit trees. So you're not going to be putting in things like citrus or macadamias or avocados and because that's a, it can, can be somewhat problematic. So no citrus. Citrus oh. hate frost. So if you're in, you're in a very, very low-lying area, then, then yes, it's problematic. Mm. But there are ways that you can actually get around it. Mm. So, for instance... Um, I designed a, a garden, huge garden up in Nearham South, and the people wanted to have citrus. Mm. Now that get that can get snow up there because mm. um, you know they're they're in a, a very low lying area. Um, so the the way that I treated that was I had big pools of water as part of the landscape. So we oh, had yeah, three yeah, great right. big ponds, mm. and we planted the citrus next to the ponds because. The, the the ponds would hold the heat during the day and then release that that heat during the night. So the soil could never get cold enough for frost to sort of develop. Ah. Because how frost works is it, it actually comes down a slope and and sits in the lowest point. So if you plant higher, you haven't got a, really got a problem with with frost. Okay. So that's one thing. Another thing is um, the type of soils that you have. That's a very important thing when, you, you know, when you're going to be look, looking at certain plants. And if we take avocados, for instance, um, you can't play, plant avocados anywhere near um, eucalypts because the eucalypts release uh, a toxin through their root system that will kill an avocado in eight weeks' time. Oh, wow. It's incredible. Okay. So you've got to do a little bit of research um, and work out just what your, your conditions are. Sunlight is yes, very important. Yes, very, very important. So the, no point in having, you know, fruit trees in a, in a southern side of a property that gets no light at all. Right. What about? And do you want to plant in a container or amongst other ornamentals? Do you use it? Do you want to use it as an espalier? Yes. Or grow it as in an orchard? Yep. All those sort of things as well. 
And when is the best time to plant your particular tree? Because that's that's something we need to take into it consideration. It is. It is, and and that also is all also uh, sets you up for um, the cost of the actual plant. Because if, if you can wait until your your fruit trees are, are in a state where they're they're dormant, you can actually purchase those really reasonably um, bare rooted. You know? so, so you're getting a three or four year old plant that mm. you cut it back by a third when you when they've harv- when they're harvested with bare roots. And plant them in you know late winter, mm. coming into early spring, and that's a very economic economical way of, of um, you know doing fruit trees. Definitely, and is whether cross pollination might be necessary. Like, does the tree need a partner? Because most a lot of a lot of trees do need partners. So a lot of plums need 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 a partner. Uh, apples need partners. Pears need partners. So you've also got to have a look at, at who the the pollinator is for that particular plant. So if you take um, a Jonathan. Uh, the cross pollinate, and, that, and that's a, a, a very, very common um, cross pollinator. So it'll cross pollinate with most apple trees. And how that works is that you're looking for two apples that are going to be flowering at about the same time. Yeah. Uh, unless it's a Gravenstein, forget it. I'm not going to go into that one. That's too complicated. Okay. Go back and have a listen to and when we had um, um, Phil Shepard earlier on. That'll explain how that system works. The Espalia King. Ex- yes. Uh, um, the the other thing that you you can do, and I've done it with a few of my fruit trees, where I've got uh, two plum trees, for instance, that need cross pollination. Say a blood plum, which is say Satsuma. You can plant it in the same hole as the Santa Rosa. You know, so you've got that that cross pollinator mm. in the same hole, mm. and you just prune that as one tree. Mm. You know, rather than having it as two trees, mm. so two That's trunks. Clever prune it as one tree, and then you've got both the pollinators in one hole. What you then have to be mindful of is ensuring that they're getting plenty of food. Right, okay, because so, there are two in the one hole, they need extra yeah. food. Yeah, you just make sure that they're, you know, that they're getting lots of tucker and one's not out-competing out the other. Okay. And the size is very important because it depends on how big your garden is, whether you want a dwarf, a medium, or a large tree. Yes, it, it is. But today we're lucky enough to have uh, growers like Phil Shepherd, who can actually source various grafted stocks for instance so um some 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 grafted stock can be a miniature a medium and then a large so by by selecting the right plant you you can have you know various small fruiting trees in a, in a much smaller area and that's what i've had to do at my place i've selected all my fruit trees that have got some um, the dwarf rooting stock on it so it means I can cram a lot more in. Yes, which you, know, you have in, done. Into that space, yeah. Yes. Okay. So now I think we have all the answers. We need to choose the correct tree for our area. Mm-hmm. But there are so many fruit cheese trees to choose from. Where do we start with that? Maybe you could tell the listeners and me which one are, ones are your favourites. Then maybe we can narrow it down. Yeah, well, we yeah. can. Okay. So my number one has to be the China flat peach. Oh, yes, delicious. Which is other, otherwise called the angel peach, the donut peach, the satin peach. And this is this is a natural plant that originated from China as a natural cultivar and was first grown commercially in the in America. And it fell out of out of uh, fell out of favor because it had a yellow flesh and at that stage um, everyone you know all the other varieties were preferred white forms. So the breeders just let the discard all the white forms and that was it. So its popularity just dwindled. But there's been a revival of, of that particular fruit. And that is, without a doubt, the most stunning fruit that peach that I've ever eaten in my life. Yeah, that's, what, that's 
crazy that it fell out of favour yeah. because of its colour when the flavour is so much sweeter than the usual peach, really, or well, the many peaches. Yeah. It's really delicious. Uh, and, and the beauty about it is that it is a, a lovely little flat squat peach, and it's not that little. It can be quite big, you know, about the size of an apple, but flat. Mm. And when you bite into it, you're biting into a great amount of flesh mm. because the actual pip is tiny. It is a small little pip in the middle and it just comes away because it's a free stone. The, mm. the pip just falls out. You get just more bang fantastic. for your buck, more, you get, more you, value you, for you dollar. You certainly do. Um, and Phil Shepard has actually managed to grow over 100 of these um, new flat peaches from the stock from my own garden. So he's budded them from oh. material that I've supplied oh. him and um, they'll, they'll be grown on and in, into, into pots and so forth and he'll look after those and we've now got a good source of um, the flat china peaches from Phil Shepherd. That is on fantastic. His, on his budding stock. So, yeah. Now, um, I, did, I did mistakenly say that Phil was the Espalier king the minute ago and I didn't mean that at all. You meant Chris England. I did mean Chris England, so I apologise <laughs> to Phil for that. But Phil's the guru for, the, for fruit trees. He's the fruit tree guru, room. yeah, not the Espalier guru. Okay, number two, Keith. All right, my number two is one that we had a fantastic harvest of this year. The actual plant is seven years old. And it is now, now producing a great crop, and that is the macadamia. Mm. And we have one called Integrifolia, which is an absolutely stunning-looking plant. It's got a beautiful um, dark green leaf on it. Um, and, and I have got that growing at my place on the southern side of the, the, the property, so on the southern side of the house, 300 mil off the fence, and it is about six metres tall now. So it's growing in a lot of shade. It's growing in full shade. So there's one for the shade. Yeah. Um, macadamias are actually, a, a, they're a canopy plant. They're, they grow in the lower canopy of, of you know, the, the rainforest, mm. basically, up in northern New South Wales and into Queensland. Mm. So it's a, it's a plant that'll tolerate a lot of shade Conditions. and grow perfectly. And the and beauty it will, of, Sorry, it'll be fine in the sun as well? Yeah. yeah. Oh, fine so in the sun. it's fine in oh, every yeah, con- yep. under any conditions. Yeah. Um, the beauty about it, it is the the flowers are just absolutely sensational. They're long, like l- long, tiny little grevillea flowers. They're just oh. a a white with a bit of cream through them. Mm. But the flowers are actually internal of the plant, so they're hanging inside the actual canopy of the tree. Mm. Gorgeous, and they are just absolutely sensational. And they're so great to harvest because you just leave them there and they fall on the ground, Easy. and then you just go and rake them all up and let them dry out for a little bit, mm. um, and they are, they are just the most magnificent nut to eat. They're better than any other nut you'll ever come across, chock full of goodness. And um, you need and, to. You know, you've got a special implement that you need yes, to have. Yes, well, yeah, and I've got a ripple one, it's, and I managed to pick it up from the, the, the Nambour flower show, which yeah. was just fantastic. But there would be other varieties of those that are around. Right. Now, Integrifolia, which is the, 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 the species... Um, will tolerate down to minus five degrees once it's established. Oh, so it will grow in in certain you know quite cold areas. Yep. But you know they've got to be you know they've got to be acclimatised and grown mm-hmm. into that. Okay. But just a fabulous plant. Um, looks superb. You know you can clip it, prune it, do whatever you like, and control it. It's just sensational. Brilliant. Mm. Number three. Number three. Well, this is a plum, and. The plum that I'm going to talk about is called Green Gauge, and uh, it's a European plum, so it's it's a, a yellowy flesh plum. And I first tasted this plum when I was travelling through England, 
and we went into Harrods and into the food section of Harrods and I paid a, a squillion dollars for a half a dozen of these green gauge plums. But the flavour is something that I, I never forgot. Mm. When I got back to Australia, I hunted down to find out who was growing green gauge plums and got that and a pollinator, which is Coe's Golden Drop. So you got two beautiful plums. But the most incredible sugary, syrupy flavour that you'll ever come across, much better than a, than a, a you know a, a blood plum. Just yeah. absolutely superb. Do you grow them together? Did you put them in the same hole? No, no. I've got those actually as, a, as a, a multi-graph. So I've got the one tree that's got the coes, the coes and right. the green gauge Fantastic. on the one. So that, oh. that means that that's, that one plant is count, counted as mm. two. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Okay, number four? Number four is tamarillo. Mm. Now, tam tamarillo cops a bad rap because it's got a very unimaginative common name, which is tree tomato. It's got nothing to do with a tree tomato, <laughs> nothing whatsoever. Who came up with that? Um, it, 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 I think I guess they probably called it a tree tomato because the, the, if you get a red version, it, it looks a little bit like a, um, a Roma tomato. I guess okay. that's probably where it comes from. Okay. But the flavour tastes like um, a passion fruit crossed with kiwi fruit. Oh, delicious. It is just absolutely delicious. superb. It grows to between two to three metres tall. Uh, it's, it, its origins are South America, where a lot of the plants from the Solanaceae family are down, like the tomatoes and peppers and these sorts of things are all in the Solanaceae family. It's a short-lived plant, but it, it will readily seed. I've got mm -hmm. two in my garden that I've just, just self-seeded oh, and okay. taken off. Yeah, so that's great. Um, it will grow in, in lots of, of um, very difficult sort of situations um, and you can even grow it in areas that will get a bit of frost even though they've got huge leaves and if you do get a bit of frost it will burn the top leaves and you just leave those top leaves don't cut them off until the until the new new growth springs up below it mm -hmm. uh, I first tasted that down at um, Heronswood when they had the uh, the beautiful restaurant down there and uh, the chef was Skeet um, his name was Skeet, mm. nickname was Skeet. Skeet, Skeet yeah. yeah, because he was the smallest in the family. He was like a mosquito. Oh. So his name was Skeet. They called him Skeet. Um, and he actually presented it with a natural yogurt, but the actual tamarillos had been poached in Shiraz and the flavour was unbelievable. Oh, yummy, yeah. yum, yum. So just fantastic. And this produces tiny little flowers with the most incredible perfume that you'll ever smell in your life. It is so cloying. Your garden, uh, your garden, I mean, I've seen it obviously a few times, but it just sounds divine. It, it, well, all the, those the, the beautiful fruit is trees. Just superb, yeah. Seven, I know, but 70 of the, all these beautiful <laughs> trees. Keep going. All right, so this, this plant is available in, in reds, yellows, and oranges. And the actual skin colour contrasts beautifully with the seeds, which are black inside. Um, with orange flesh, so it's a, it's it's a it's a delight to look at as well as eat. Just so there are varieties. So you've got all these different coloured varieties. Yeah, different colours of the trees. Of yeah. So there's there's a gold form. There's a yellow form. Of the actual and tree, a, not the fruit. The tree. No, the fruit. The fruit. It is the fruit. Yeah. The fruit are all fruit. different colours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same looking through. Mm. Um, the, 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 there's a bit of an oxymoron happening with this particular part, and this is what I love it so much, because the flowers have got this incredibly sweet, cloying perfume, but the leaves, when you scrunch them, smells like peanuts. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> so you've got the sweetness it's, out, the sweet and the yeah, savoury, sweet and the savoury, yeah. <laughs> 
So that's, that's four. Tamarillo. Okay. Fantastic. Keep going. We haven't yeah. got forever. You've got right. six to go. Okay. So five is the white sapote, which I've got at home. I've got two trees of this. And this is a small tree that produces peach-sized fruits with a soft skin. And that soft skin means that you'll never ever see these in a supermarket or a fruit shop mm. because they won't travel. Yeah. Um, the taste of the fruit is creamy, sweet, smooth like a custard. Mm. And the flavour resembling a banana custard. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. It's a native yeah. of uh, Mexico. Uh, and it was a popular fruit of all the conquering Spaniards, but it wasn't brought back to Europe until 1866. Um, you know, so it never got its popularity because it was never going to be a commercial fruit. It's one that you've yeah. got to go out there and just feel that the softness happening and then bang, you've yeah. got this beautiful banana custard. Not one we know very well, no. but it sounds amazing. And number six, yes. avocado. Oh. Love them. You've got to have av- avocados. How um, many avocados have you got in the garden? I've got two in the garden, okay. and they're both dwarf varieties, but mm-hmm. I've got an A type and a B type, and I won't go into, into how that works. I think we've covered that somehow, somewhere along, somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. Um, now, these will grow from Cairns to Melbourne, to south of Melbourne, so you can grow avocados just about anywhere. Because you never think that they would grow really well in Melbourne, really. No, you we've wouldn't. We've never had the... No, but there are, there's, there's certain varieties that will tolerate the cold, and that one variety is called bacon. And it is a it's a it's a ripper. Okay. So, you, and you've got um, bacon. I've got bacon. Obviously. I've got worts here. So I've got an A and a B. I'd love to see. I don't think I've seen you do a post on some of your avocado fruit. You um, need to. And, no, and the reason I did, I've never really shown the avocados is because they're around where the bees used to be. What does that mean? Well, I don't like taking people, kids, and, and oh. around where there's a beehive. No, no, no. Because, I, yeah, you know, it's, but you uh, could show us some of the fruit. I haven't seen your fruit. Yeah, well, I've got next time, fruit. just, just yeah. keep it in mind. Please. I've got one at home. Okay, There's good. one, one, one avocado left. Okay. So these are a plant that that you've got to be mindful of. As I've said, you can't plant them anywhere anywhere than closer than eight meters from a, a eucalypt because they will die. Mm. Because there's a, a Phytophthora fungus that, 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 that is emitted by the, the eucalypt through the root system, and it will just kill them. Now they prefer a well drained soil, and they have very, very. Um, shallow root system so they're right on the surface so you've got to continually mulch over the top of the surface i've just fed my avocados all the cuttings from the broccoli put through the mulcher right idea yeah (laughs) so that's all over over that so there's lots of nitrogen going into those Mm. um and as i said you really need to be searching for an a type and a b type to get the best crop that you can Mm. so um an a type would be huss wurtz and reed three varieties mm-hmm. and a b type is shepherd and bacon mm-hmm. so they're, they're the two most common one and the beauty about the shepherd is that when you harvest the fruit and you cut them open they don't go brown oh really yeah incredible so they've got something else in in their flesh that stops them from spawning like most the other avocados so the last the days open open yeah at, at the uh, without same going color oh my goodness yeah so oh, there you go goodness. look for shepherd yeah okay my number seven this is a persimmon and this particular variety is the only one that I'd ever grow because there's an astringent form and a non-astringent variety. Uh, and Fuyu is non-astringent. Can you explain what you right, mean okay. by astringent so, and non-astringent? I wouldn't be bothered with, with the other variety, the astringent variety, because what you have to do with an astringent variety is, is wait until they are going soft, almost like they're starting to rot, you know, so they're squishy. And that's the only time you can eat. If you eat them when they're, they're hard... They have 
properties within the flesh that will rip your face off just about. <laughs> oh, yeah. so so they're you know the the Italians love them, the Greeks love them because they know what they know what to expect. But now we have this variety called Fuyu, and this is one of them um, that is it, you can actually pick off the tree when they're they're beautiful orangey red color, mm. ready orangey color, and just eat it like an apple mm-hmm. or a pear. Mm-hmm. And there's very very minimal amount of um, seeds in ta- inside so there's just about no waste and you can actually dry them you know put mm. them in a dehydrator mm. and they're, they're fabulous mm. you know all, all the way around so the variety the japan this the, the, the fuyu is a japanese variety and it was discovered in 1885 and then named fuyu back in about the early 1900s and this is a self-pollinating tree so you don't need to have have um you know the pollinator yep. and the other beautiful thing about it is you can prune it as hard as you like cut it back to nearly nothing because you're not cutting off any fruiting spurs because they produce fruit on the wood that it's growing that season right so the new growth is where the flowers come on the flowers are inconspicuous but the leaves are beautiful and then you get this sensational um autumn foliage which is just mm-hmm. brilliant and then you, if the leaves fall off and then you got the fruit still there. Amazing. So just it's just gorgeous. Amazing. Number eight. Great. And I just put one of these in. I didn't have one. And I've just found another spot in the garden. Yeah. And this is the dwarf black mulberry. Oh. So this one is called Chartoute. And it gets to one metre wide by three metres tall. Mm-hmm. And like the Persimmon, you prune it back because it produces on the new growth. Mm-hmm. So you get masses of fruit. Um, they resemble a long blackberry. And you know when someone's eaten a black mulberry because <laughs> they've, got they've, got, they've got a black mouth or, or dark red mouth. So you can always tell. That's uh, bright red lipstick. And what are you going to do with them? Are you going to make mulberry jam? We, well, or just the, kid, the grandchildren just love to sort of, you know, go in there and just pick them until they're sick to death of them. But, yeah, if it, you know, if there's enough, yeah, we could make mulberry jam. Sounds uh, that's, that's a good one. Fantastic. Number um, nine. Number nine. Now, number nine, I'm, I'm going to put as not necessarily a fruit tree it's a little bit out of out of you know out there it's actually the true curry leaf plant oh okay yes. all right so yep. it's called maria canigii uh and it's a graceful evergreen shrub from the tropics and the subtropics it'll grow in melbourne and in a warm sheltered spot it's great to put into a pot but i tell you what the the, the fern-like leaves are added directly into curry dishes and they just pop with flavour, mm. and it is the most incredible f- flavour that you'll come across. And that's what they used to create the Madras-style curry powder. They dry right. the leaves and then crush it. Um, the leaves are full of flavour and add just this incredible, distinct flavour to all your all your curry dishes. Mm. It's just magnificent. For all curry lovers, we need to plant one of those. My number ten yes. is a cherry. Lovely. And the variety is called Lapham. L-A-P-P-I-N, and it's Prunus avium. And these plants are native to the Caspian and Black Sea region of Asia Minor. And the Lapin is very early to, to, to produce a crop, and it's incredibly heavy-bearing. But you need to protect it from birds, particularly blackbirds. So once the, fruit of, once the, the flowers have pollinated, then you've got to cover it to make sure that you're going to get a you're going to get a cherry out of it. Um, and I've got mine growing over near a fence, so it's getting a lot of lot of shade and so forth. So it's not very very big. Okay. Um, it's it's a great plant. It's just the most magnificent flavoured of all the cherries, as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's better than a Stella 
or a black boy or one of the other ones of these varieties. Um, you, but you need a, a pollinator. So I've used Stella as the pollinator for that. Yeah, even though Stella is a self-pollinating um, cherry by itself, mm. you really need to it. Mm. Um, and that's just a m most magnificent um, flavour, you know, because if you've got enough of those, cherry jam is just to cherry die jam. for. Cherry jam, just to you, die for. You and Leslie are going to be very busy with all that fruit and, we all, will that, be. and all that cooking you're going to be doing. So there's my number 10, that's, and that's the lot. Amazing. See, there's no time for me. And, I, I, well, I knew that you were going to produce all this fantastic information about all these wonderful trees because you have the, physically have them in your garden as we speak, so that's wonderful. Now we need a quick lesson on planting, pruning and harvesting, Keith. And right. I know, no, no, there's no, I don't think we've got time. I don't well, think we've we got time. You do? Have we got time? No. No. The, <laughs> well, I don't, not in this podcast, so I think we'll make sure to have some follow-up podcasts on these topics. I mean, we've done it before, but maybe, you know, we need to do it. Again and again. Yeah, just reinforcing, you know, yes. habits of fruit trees, how to prune them, when to prune them. It's very important. Feeding, all of that Absolutely. stuff. Very, very that important. stuff's just... It, yep. yep. So our Q&A sessions are also a great way always to ask Keith any specific questions you may have about your new fruit tree or about anything, anything really that's happening in your garden. So don't forget to always send us in questions as well. So thank you so much for listening to us and have a happy fruit tree gardening time. Thank you for listening to Muddy Boots. For more information on today's podcast, please go to muddyboots.net.au and happy gardening.